If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Before we get started today, I want to remind you that if you want more out of your life, there is another way. Now, you might be lacking momentum in your business. Maybe you don't have a supportive environment. Maybe you're tired of not living a fulfilling life by living through your gifts, but doing something that just kind of pays the bills. It doesn't matter. All of those are common things that I hear, and I'm here to help. All you have to do is jump on a call with somebody from my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. We're here to help you rock your money, become financially literate, understand how to win the money game, and then you'll be able to rock your life. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. And let's get started transforming your life today. All right, so welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. Today's guest is Ari Rastigar, and he is from Austin, Texas, born there and raised there. And like a lot of people, your quintessential, you know, evolution from employee to entrepreneur. He was flipping burgers. He was he was doing the regular things that a young teenage kid does. And he worked his way up through success to now he has a private equity firm and he's really, really big in real estate. He's hobnobbing with people like Elon Musk. He's on the cutting edge of changing some of the technologies that are being used in the world today. And he really believes that the pandemic has brought on about the greatest real estate buying opportunities in the last 100 years. He says, this isn't like hyperbole. Investing in Class B vintage multifamily apartments in America Sunbelt has proven to be a winning strategy as they're both spacious and affordable. These apartments can be refurbished to have the feel and amenities of a Class A property, but with a Class B price tag. We have a strong rent collections in a pandemic with this strategy, and he has really literally been a force for good in that community and pivoted really well. Now, what's interesting is that as we started chatting, we found out that we both have this passion around meditation, exercise, healthy eating, and utilizing the maintenance of our energy forces making less decisions and making easy decisions, doing the difficult things early in the morning when your, your energy is the highest. And he's gone on to create such beautiful synergy between the left brain, the right brain, or east meets west, what have you. I think you're gonna love the conversation because it's a little bit off-roading when it comes to the science of achievement, but it is really about harmonizing the science of achievement with the art of fulfillment and not having to work so hard, but really to work a little bit within union of, you know, the invisible forces that are out there. So I know it sounds really, really mysterious and it is kind of mysterious and cool. I went a little longer on this one because I just really liked the, um, you know, the, the conversation that happened from it. One of his favorite quotes comes from Pablo Picasso. Everything you can imagine is real. And you're going to see when I talk to him, he uses a lot of words like imagination, imagining, visualizing. And I think it's one of the most underutilized skill sets is this contemplation, this, this reminiscing, this thinking about, this ruminating, this um, 
just visualizing what you want to create and then making it come to be. So without any further delay, let's get to my conversation with Ari Rastagar. Ari, what a pleasure to have you here. I love talking to you. Before we got started, we have a mutual love. It's the passion of meditation. And we're going to get a little into that a little bit later. I know you're at a retreat right now. So you've kind of got that grounded glow going for you. Even though you you work in a field that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, which is money and uh, and raising funds and real estate. So let's take us back a little bit, Ari, is... is how did you get into a place you're, you know, 38 young years, um, you know, CEO, um, and you've got a fund and you're doing cool stuff. How did you get into that? But before that, where were you? Well, um, look, uh, <laughs> uh, I was, I was in a place that I wasn't today, uh, to say the least, you know, that this guy, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I, I had to build this guy from the ground up and to use a real estate analogy, I was I was a teardown, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you were a fixer upper. <laughs> I wasn't a fixer upper. They had to level me. I had to go okay. straight down. <laughs> I can really uh, restart and you know, we're all on our own journey. And you know, as we know, it's it's all very relative. Um, but um, I was lucky to be born in Austin, Texas. Um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. And, you know, for most of my life, I thought that life was happening to me. And, um, you know, as I got a little bit older, I'm a father of three myself. And, um, you know, you come to find that life is happening for you all along. And I learned that from Tony Robbins um, at a seminar that I did with him about five or six years ago. Um, my father used to listen to Personal Power, um, his old audio tapes when I was a kid. And um, I'm a student of the Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill and Dale Carnegie. And I was actually an English major in undergrad, which a lot of people don't know, um, before I went to law school. Um, so my journey began, you know, very early. I was lucky. My mother is a homeopath. Um, so, you know, we were, we, we lived in a household where wellness and health was openly discussed. Um, mm. you know, my father, um, although everybody on my father's side of the family have either PhDs, you know, uh, they're doctors, lawyers, you know, very cultural for Iranian, you know, for an Iranian background. Um, but after the revolution, they lost everything. And luckily, uh, my uncles and my father and my aunt were studying in Austin and my grandparents were able to escape, but they're very prominent figures in Iran. Um, you know, my grandfather was a seven time gold medalist in the National um, Olympics of Iran and was a medical doctor and a psychiatrist and a poet and, you know, a historian and an author and taught at the university. I mean, he was just this huge man. And um, him and my father were really my heroes. And I got to spend many, many, you know, hours with him and days and months. Uh, learning from him and learning how to visualize the life. And he was, you know, experienced some sadness of saying, you know, this wasn't the life that I, I expected for you. I was his only grandson um, <clears throat> at the time. And he has, he has two now. Um, uh, one is, you know, just now in college. And, you know, I, I, I realized in that moment that my life wasn't going to be about me. You know, I, I wanted it to be about me. I wanted to make money. I wanted to 
all these things, me, 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 um, and found some peace in, in this, in this self-exploration of the inner world. And what I found in it is if you talk to Ray Dalio, who runs the largest hedge fund in the world, who is a man of great integrity, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with principles, um, which published um, about seven years ago on his website for free that I actually remember downloading um, before it was even a book. And I'm sure you have it on your walls, which you're looking for. Yeah, I'm looking for it. It's somewhere here. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere there for sure. But it, he actually offered it as a free PDF, and I downloaded it. And I remember a part. Of it. It's a beautiful book, but beautiful just life. I remember sobbing at times reading it, and just seeing like, oh my god, like a man that with you can have this much integrity <clears throat> and this much honor but run the biggest hedge fund in the world. I mean, as we know, as money managers, and I don't consider myself a money manager, I consider myself a risk manager more than anything. And in my heart, I'm an artist, you know, so, so real estate for me, I, you know, sketch a lot of these buildings, conceptualize them and reimagine what they could be, whether it's an old building, reimagine what um, they could be, and we have a quote um, that we've come to love that's on the side of all of our development projects. And we're actually developing seven projects this year we're breaking ground on. You know, most folks aren't crazy enough to do one in three years. We're doing seven um, in, in one year in all different asset classes. And, you know, office, uh, we're building, you know, 12 to 1500 homes, um, you know, a condo, two different condo developments in two different cities at 550,000 square feet of industrial. I mean, wow. it's, but, but we have, we have a great team. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to, but, but reading Ray and having my own personal life coach, um, you know, the glorious Lauren Zander who represents the likes of Hugh Jackman and, um, a whole list of other celebrities. I've been with her for about 10 years and, and she helped me peel my onion and find personal integrity. And I think there's a huge dichotomy between integrity and personal integrity because, you know, integrity in, has an inherent consequence. Like for, if I, for example, if I were to tell you, my friend, hey, let's meet at the gym at seven o'clock in the morning and I don't show up, there's this inherent consequence of, hey, you know, you're, uh, you know what, like, why don't you show up and, you know, whatever, and that's rude, or you, you lied to me or, you know, but the promises that we make to ourselves, we don't have anybody to keep us accountable. Like, how many times have you said to yourself, just like me, I'm guilty, more guilty of anyone, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning, or I'm going to eat that salad, and then you don't. And so if you personify the person that you're speaking to, as somebody else sitting in front of you, that person would think you're an asshole. And that's where we get into this level of, you know, personal integrity. So I'm not as concerned, of course, you know, keeping the promises and the commitments that we make to our clients, our tenants, our investors, who are the biggest public pension funds in the world, uh, family offices, all the way down to, you know, doctors and, you know, random parts of the, the state. Um, and some of the biggest celebrities in the world, whether NBA athletes, NFL athletes, singers, musicians, um, we really run the gambit because being a 38 year old CEO, I'm kind of the plug in where I can speak to the younger generation to some extent, 
um, because I'm the oldest millennial, technically. So I'm like the old young guy. I'm like a cusp baby stuck in the middle. Um, But I can also speak to the older generation about uh, spreadsheets and modeling and stress testing and, you know, conservative investing as um, as we've done, but it was about peeling the onion and, and realizing that all these things that happened were, um, were guiding me to something. And, um, the big inflection point was becoming a father, becoming a husband. Um, you know, now we have three beautiful children that I look at things on their timeline when it comes to my money, (laughs) you know, I look back at, um, my mother and I living in a, little a dingy apartment in Austin paying up 180 bucks a month and um, you know one of the little places that we used to frequent was called Slackerville and my mom was kind of a hippie and um, you know she probably wouldn't like me saying that but she was a little bit of a hippie and um, but brilliant voracious reader my father the same same way my aunt was a, was a acting teacher uh, in Austin at the university um, and also actually taught Matthew McConaughey and Sandra Bullock, you know, their acting lessons when they were kids in Austin. Um, but there's this little artist community and, um, you would go there on usually on Saturdays and Sundays. And, um, people ask me, you know, where I learned about business. I learned business yard sailing with my mom. Like, that's where I learned how to barter. That's where I learned how to trade and you know, negotiate. Um, but you would, you would go to this place. It was off of South first in Austin and they would have little trinkets or pottery or friendship bracelets. And, um, you know, we would go there and buy stuff. And I ended up buying that piece of land for $10 million, um, you know, about a year and a half ago. And then, and then buying the corner lot next door and then buying the two houses behind it and creating this assemblage and the, um, you know, the, the joint venture partnership that we created was quite literally with one of the biggest pension funds in the world. And we retained a profit participation interest in the deal because it was so spectacular. But, um, you know, it was one of those moments where you reflect back where you didn't have a hundred bucks and, you know, you just wrote a check for $10 million for one piece of the property. The whole thing I think ended up costing, not even know what the number is, but there was a lot of other lots that went into it, but, but it was really enhancing the community. It was becoming dilapidated and something that was really needed. And, um, my spiritual quest, uh, through meditation, through the works of Joe Dispenza, through transcendental meditation has taught me that there's no delineation between what I do in my spiritual world and what I do in my business like meaning if I use the analogy of I'm a tree or I'm a branch, my business is an extension of me, you know, so the more that I can find consciousness, the more that I can find compassion, um, the more that I can find peace and equanimity. And they asked Ray Dalio very clearly, and it shocked me. They said, what is the number one key to your success? He said, oh, transcendental meditation. I was like, what? Transcend what? You know, and then I look it up, come to find the Beatles and Ellen DeGeneres and the, you know, the, this yeah, Howard Stern, I mean, the, Jerry Stein, the, the list just goes on of these great people. But, um, you know, and then Ken Griffin of, you know, Citadel, he's a big meditator. And these are big finance names. And I came to, to find that uh, the ones that know, they know, but it gave me an enormous amount of peace, enormous amount of love. 
um, enormous amount of heart value. So look, you stress test the numbers, you run the numbers. Um, we've been in 38 cities, 12 states, seven asset classes. And to tell a kid that had a speech impediment so bad, they tried to hold me back. And, you know, seven years of speech therapy um, that, you know, we'd wholly own hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of assets. We'll break over a billion this year. Um, sub 40 wouldn't have made sense. So let's break some of that down. And thank you so much for sharing, Ari. Um, you make it sound kind of casual, which is cool, right? Um, but there's a lot of things that you broke. You, you know, you said, I want to break down. So number one, I want to go back to the integrity conversation. What I hear you saying is that when we have an outward consequence of disappointing somebody, the fear of separation or of them not approving of us, it's tangible and therefore we tend to be more accountable. Correct. That was my point. Well, yeah. that was very eloquent the way you broke it down. <clears throat> Thank you. So then there's this inner conversation we have with ourselves where we're like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to build this business. I'm going to, you know, clean the house or whatever. And then we break those rules. What I call, we lie to ourselves. Um, there's a follow-up piece to that. I want you to comment on because what then happens is we risk having a conversation with ourselves where we go into guilt and shame and some of those low vibration right. energies that's talked about in power versus force that put us into that fight or flight kind of feeling that feeling a scarcity of less than. Can you speak to that a little bit? I, I can. I can speak to it on two different levels. Um, anybody that knows anything about me um, knows that I'm a health fanatic. Okay. Um, I have an age management doctor that is um, 14,000 neurosurgeries uh, neuro in. Um, was an immigrant from Ukraine. They killed his whole family in Auschwitz, put himself through Johns Hopkins. One of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my life, Dr. Jacob Rosenstein. And he helped my, put my life back together on a, <clears throat> on a physiological level. So we know through whether it's meditation, whether we know through it's compassion, there was a study that I'm sure you're familiar with <clears throat> where a group of, of, of Tibetan monks um, put water glasses in front of them and they sent them this energy and this love um, towards or love, compassion, or will be, you know, positive emotions. And they looked at under an electron microscope and they saw these beautiful images. And then they sent other images of hate and anger and frustration. And remember, we can argue about this all day long, but we're between 70 to 90% water as a human being. So if that, if it'll do that to a glass of water, what is harboring those emotions due to our internal physiology? So physiologically coming to terms with those emotions on a personal integrity level quite effectively, quite literally affects our microbe. It affects our gut health. You know, 70% of our immune system is in our intestines and they call it our second brain for a reason because there's more neurons in your intestines than there is in your brain. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and, they follow our gut instinct and we're trained in Western um, logic or Western business to follow our brain <clears throat> and instructed to not follow our gut. And I think there's a marriage between those two of, you know, there's been deals that I've looked at where the numbers were perfect. I walked the property and passed. 
and I looked down the road. Sometimes I was right. Sometimes I was wrong, but I didn't feel right. There's deals that I've looked at before where I said, you know what, we can make this happen. The bank doesn't see the vision, but we're going to go ahead and go do it. And we knock the cover off the ball, you know, and I think it's very important for our, for our mental physical and spiritual health, which are all united, which are a three-legged stool. If one is, if you're way, way too spiritual or way too, um, you know, health oriented or whatever it is, um, that stool doesn't really balance. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in, this, in what we call the seesaw. So you need to seesaw one direction and be 100% present and 100% focused on whatever the task at hand is, whether that's being a father, um, whether that's um, having a beautiful conversation uh, on the subway, or whether that's working on that the big deal that you're working on, and then be able to seesaw the other direction and be 100% focused when you're in the gym. And so more important than anything that I found in my life that I learned from Lauren um, and was illuminating is the promises we keep to ourselves are more important than the promises that we keep to others. Because in that moment, you start to create self-love, you start to create um, self-respect, and you start to create humility. And humility is not necessarily thinking less of myself. Humility is thinking less about myself and, and focusing on contribution and growth. But we cannot, we physically cannot do that if we are riddled with guilt, frustration, anger, um, the old cliche is, you know, anger is the only thing that kills the vessel, you know, and, and, and so to me, personal integrity has been important, having a creed, you know, having a mantra that, um, that I can say a constitution, if you will, a personal constitution where, you know, do I eat, you know, mostly vegetarian fish and salads and low glycemic and all the other things that we know we should be doing. Yes. But if my kids want to eat pizza on Friday night, I'll be damned if I'm not eating the pizza. Because, <laughs> so, you know, and I'm not trying to win the health award. I'm trying to create beautiful experiences. And, and so I think the personal integrity back to digging into, as you mentioned, is so important because it changes our cortisol levels. It changes the functionality. And this has been tested by yeah. universities of the thoughts that we hold and the way that we feel about ourselves, which we hide with mask over mask over mask, affect yeah. the world. And people aren't stupid. You can fake everything in this world, but you can't fake authenticity. Yeah, well said. And... You know, I really like the part you said about you, you build that self-reliance, that self-respect, that self. What more confidence can you have than the belief that you can execute on the things that you say to yourself? The opposite right. is, is low self-esteem, I really think, comes from the fact that you keep on telling yourself you're going to do things. You nailed it. And, and by the way, I could not agree more. I, I could, you took the words out of my mouth. All of those issues, look, there's always outliers. There's all, always things. And, you know, we make generalizations for the mass populace. And there's always outliers of neurological disorders or, you know, other things that, you know, that are tragic that people suffer from. But 
um, for those of us that have been blessed enough to have our faculties um, and are able to practice these things, um, these are fundamental laws of nature that I've come to find. And self-reliance, you, you hit on a buzzword. Ralph Waldo Emerson is one of my favorite authors of all time. And um, if you haven't read the essay, Self-Reliance, um, you're doing yourself a tremendous disfavor. <laughs> it's one that I refer to, you know, quite often because all you have is you. And my book comes out in June called The Gift of Failure. And The Gift of Failure, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't speak about any of the humble success that I've had in my life. I'm a simple guy. Um, I want to be, you know, I just want to be a family man. You know, I, you know, any time that I have to myself and with my family, I'm on the road right now raising for our new REIT. So I've been you know, big fancy investment banking meetings. I'm speaking at a big conference in Houston and, um, you know, but the fact of the matter comes to is how we feel on the inside resonates, whether we like it or not. They asked Tesla, um, who arguably was one of the greatest minds to ever walk the earth. <clears throat> and um, they said, you know, Mr. Tesla, can you explain? I'll tell you two stories. One, they asked Albert Einstein, how does it feel to be the smartest man in the world? He said, I don't know, ask Nikola Tesla. Right. And, then, and so they asked Tesla, how do you, if you had to explain the universe, how would you explain the universe? He said, well, I would explain it in terms of energy, wavelength, and frequency. And so when you show up into a room, you know, to bring it down to reality. And you're like, you know what? I don't like that guy. Like he's saying all the right words. We just kind of get a bad vibe and, and you can't put your finger on. They're well put together. They're well-spoken and they have the great presentation and the track record, but you're just like, I, I can't. Or someone else walks in the room, they flub the thing. They tripped when they walked in. They looked like they didn't take a shower. And you're like, you know what? I love that lady. She's wonderful. Like she's a sweetheart, you know, or, you know, or whatever it comes down to. And I think so much of the evolution of where we go as business people and as, as leaders um, is allowing the people around us to follow their gut, to speak up. Um, and I'm not saying we're just going to go here and just go with our gut and buy whatever we're going to buy. It's the old Ronald Reagan, trust and verify, right? And, uh, and, but to me, my journey is personal. Um, I don't believe in competition. Actually, the root word of competition um, is a Latin word um, that, that, that I'm butchering it a little bit, but you Inspire get the fire to achieve more. No? Yeah, it, 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 absolutely. And even further for two competitors in the, to conspire to make each other better. Yes. Yes. That's the essence of, of what it is. And so I'm competing with me. I'm right. competing with my older self. I don't, people ask me, so what do you think of, you know, what Starwood or this other firm is doing on whatever? And I'm just like. Yeah, whatever. I, I think that to piggyback on what you're saying is that when, when we, we have a gut unknowing if we're connected, I think, to the frequency, to the field, to what's available, right? Um, but when the noise is too loud, the fear, then we don't pick up the signal. And then when we're surrounded by individuals that also have a lot of noise and a lot of fear, 
they can take us out of our knowing. So you, you might say, hey, you know what? I feel like I want to do this investment or I want to go on this thing. And they're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. That's risky. There's a bubble. Watch out. And so many people, I think, are taught to not trust themselves anymore because they're surrounded by other people that don't trust themselves and they pick up on that vibration. What are your thoughts around that? So the, this, I think there's two pieces there. I think um, I don't disagree with you, but I want to I want to be very clear about something. Um, the title of Lauren's book is Maybe It's You. And what she really meant to say is, fuck you, it's you. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so everywhere you go, there you are. You know, and, and so there's a part of what you said. And again, I don't speak from this from a level of sainthood. I fall in the same traps that you that you mentioned. And I I struggle with it as much as that it. you said it in a very practical, beautiful way. But this comes down to us. We need to have the resilience to know when the energy vampires are around us. And um, Emerson in Self-Reliance gives a beautiful paragraph and please everybody read it. It's, it's just mind-blowingly beautiful. Um, he says, oh mother, oh brother, oh father, oh wife, oh sister. And he goes into this treatise explaining of, I have to be me, you know? And so when you're in those moments, when you feel your energy is being drained, you need to have the self-awareness to extricate yourself from the situation in a very kind way. This doesn't mean to resort to the level of anger or, you know, get the F out of my office, or, but find ways to bring love back into that equation or, or listen. Sometimes I found the people that are the angriest in the world if you just shut your mouth for a second and let them talk and truly listen, you'll find a scared little boy or a scared, you know, young lady or a, whichever pronoun that, you know, yeah. they're comfortable with behind totally those words. And when you get there, you get to a place of believability, you get to a place of trust. Um, and and look, I, I have failed at this more than the next person. You know, it's like John Maxwell sells you, you fail forward. And and so in those moments, we have to be very conscious of our energy because our willpower is actually finite. It's not infinite. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reason why the great sages have all said, do the hardest work in the morning, get your most important and, the, and what they're in why you know, a Mark Zuckerberg or a Steve Jobs wears the same outfit every morning is that you only have a certain amount of good decisions. It's finite. So if I'm picking out what hoodie I'm going to wear, that's one decision I lost. Yeah. Right. And so, and so I think it's very important that we surround ourselves with people. And there's a difference between people that agree with us that are kind of, they say yes men, you know, or yes people in that regard. Um, versus believable people that will disagree with you elegantly with research, because I think it's most important to surround yourself with those people that share a common vision, that share a common goal, and you're unified and all the oars are going in the right direction, but you must be surrounded by people that are going to tell you no, that are going to say, you know, as Dalio talks about radical transparency, yeah. is say no Ari I think you're wrong and yeah. I'm like okay, okay well tell me why 
well, did you look at the rent comps of the property across the street? Or did you, and I was like, oh no, actually I, I missed that. They're like, well, that's why you're wrong. What does everybody else think? Well, I think that, you know, so-and-so is right. Cause we, and then I can stand there and before the old Ari would say, yeah, right. We're doing it. It's this, it's my show or, you know, the highway, you know, and now you can look at it and say, thank you. Say, thank you for caring enough to find that stuff. And as we find ourselves surrounded within that world, we have to be very conscious of the input that we're allowing into our brains, the books that we're reading, the conversations that we're having. But as the negative starts to come towards you, we have to be care very careful not to block, but to open. Because when we block, you're then put projecting the same type of force. But if you open to it, and you let it shower onto you and it's very uncomfortable, but you need to learn to be uncomfortably uncomfortable when your heart opens to those to situations as a CEO, I experience it every day. We have hundreds of people that we're responsible for, whether through the families and the employees, yeah. staff that, you know, and you hear all sorts of things, like you have to be open to those things because we all don't speak the same love languages. We don't have the same um, ways that can we communicate. We don't speak the same actual native tongues and, and things can be truly lost in translation. But what I have come to find not to be cheesy, not to be cliched, but in the positive emotions with the power of kindness, the power of vulnerability and the power to keep our hearts open, that doesn't not just make us better people. It makes us better business people, um, and better assets to humanity, uh, in all respects. Yeah, well said. You're listening to an episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast with Ari Rastagar. And I want to pivot and take it in a new direction because we've kind of started on um, the very ethereal part of the conversation. Uh, but you've developed a lot of success when it does come to rocking your money. And you used a lot of you know awareness and transcendental meditation, I think, to get to a place of of elegant decision-making perhaps. Can you help somebody who's listening to what you've said and some of the numbers you threw out at the beginning of the show sound really huge for most people? Sure. Um, you're not even 40 years old yet. You're a father of three. You, you grew up in a cool city, Austin, which is one of the hottest vibrant cities on the planet today, um, partially because you're there. And how can people wrap their head around getting from that place of scarcity mindset, struggling to to going out on a journey and following a path of yours, or at least getting some of that success. Yeah, so I flipped burgers through high school. <laughs> I delivered pizzas through college. Um, I was such a screw up in high school that I had to go to two community colleges before they let me into Texas A&M University. And I mentioned on another podcast the other day that I'm surprised they even let me in. Um, but, but I was an English major there and, um, I started my construction business when I was in law school, uh, with a $3,000 loan from one of my father's, uh, one of my friend's fathers. And that was only 10 years ago. And so people dramatically, um, underestimate, you know, overestimate what they can do in a year and dramatically underestimate what they can do in five or maybe 10 and if a kid like me, um, after seven years of speech therapy, 
trying to be held back um, can do it. I assure you, your listeners are a lot smarter than me. Um, the only difference maybe if I was to venture some kind of uh, difference possibly could be for some folks is you punch me, I'm getting back up. <laughs> so, there's, so there's no quitting you. That's awesome. Let's talk about some of the things that are um, important in success. Those people attracting talent, keeping talent, uh, putting people in the right position. There's access to other people's money. There's influence and in negotiation. What, yeah, that, are, what are some of the parts that are important? That, that, that all comes second to me. You know, I, I don't mean to cut you off in a, in a crass way, but the, the best thing that I can offer anybody that's listening here that's ready to start is education. And you can get on M YouTube is one of the greatest, most profound ways to gain knowledge. Okay, you can literally sit in and watch. If you want to learn quantum physics, if you want to learn English literature, you pick a topic. You can literally sit in and watch MIT professors, Yale professors, Harvard professors, the greatest teachers in the world for free. You can go buy Think and Grow Rich, arguably the most impactful book in my entire life, literally for $0 on Amazon if you'll pay the $3.99 shipping and buy it used. So meaning to me, all of those other parts are all correct about the people and uh, building teams and raising capital. But all of that is secondary until you begin to focus on your personal growth. You are your most important asset. In fact, you are your only asset. And so by first taking that step and trusting the process, and I'm in love with the process. I used to not be, but but I but I love the process of figuring things out and finding the deal and deal making and you know figure out the problem. No, the wall shouldn't go there. Put it this way. No, no, no. How about we do it that way? No, well, how much? You know, like the being having a goal and knowing what you're go what you're doing, and that's why I recommend thinking grow rich, um, is so that you can know where you're going. You need to know where you're going, but where I think people miss it is have be firm in your goal, but be nimble in your approach. There will be things in the road inevitably that will kick you off track, but this is the laws of nature. An airplane that takes off in New York to flights to LAX, it doesn't just beeline, it goes up, it goes down, it veers left, it veers right, it circles, but it lands on the dime. And so being open and surrendering to what you think the best way should be, it's the what and the why. The how is none of your business. <laughs> you just need to know what you want and feel in the depth of your core and why. And the rest will be revealed. But for those that are listening here that might think I don't have any money, I'm still working. I worked at Johnny Rockets flipping burgers. I had to deliver pizzas at Double Dave's. You know, I worked at what became Chipotle, you know, later. You know, I, um, I was on the construction sites pouring concrete and tying rebar while I was in law school at five o'clock in the morning and then driving to class and work boots and studying till two in the morning. And, you know, someone told me the other day that I was a real estate tycoon. And I kind of laughed. I was like, 
I don't even really know what that means. I'm still putting up sheetrock. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm just a regular, I'm a regular guy. I don't wear watches or drive Ferraris or, you know, I'm just a normal guy that I lifted up my head and we had all this thing, but it, but the moment that it stopped being about me, but I'm a voracious reader. Everybody knows that about me. Voracious, voracious reader is an understatement. And you might find this crazy, but I probably read 10 to 15 books a week. And to me, they're like, well, how do you have time to work? I was like, well, actually, you missed it. That is the work. You know, all I got to do is make right. one phone call we raise capital. And right. then that book is over. You know, the, it, it's the reading and the education and knowing that there's more to learn, there's more to evolve, and um, there's another meditation to be had and exercising in the gym. So when I show up to the office, I can show up with full vibrance and vitality and what radiates off of me creates an infectious, um, you know, my hope is to inspire those around us not to do anything that would benefit me, but inspire them to be their best selves. And I've learned about our children is that they don't listen to a damn thing we say. They only listen to what they see. Yeah. And so my hope is to lead it there, but all of the other, um, not to, to, you know, to diminish it, but the jargon around business to me is not only secondary, it's probably 30th down the road. Because once you start to personally develop those natural orders, you can hire an accountant. You can hire somebody, you know, get a consultant that'll help you do your books. You know, you can, you know, bring in a, a great person on Indeed and interview, you know, as a leader, you have to focus on you. You are the most important asset. It's not a coincidence they say on an airplane when the that oxygen mask drops, put it on your face before the person next to you. They're not saying that selfishly. They're right. saying humbly so that you can serve. And you have to be sure that whatever it is you're doing in the world, in my personal opinion, has to be centered around growth and growth and contribution yeah the two highest human needs i agree yeah the two the, well the two most well we we all have the human the same human needs we need significance we need certainty um we need variety we need um adventure but it's what are the top two and and it, I found that if growth and contribution are higher on your list, um, you have a more fulfilling life because success is really a science. It's about two plus two equals four. You take those classes, you get your degree and whatever, but fulfillment is a much slippier, slipperier thing. You know, it's much more difficult to wrap your head around fulfillment and being whole. And the science points to, and I've seen experience in my own life, is that when we're growing and contributing to something greater than ourselves, it awakens emotions within you that are greater than anything else that, quote, money could buy. Because money is just a tool. What are you going to do with it? And we've been blessed to be great stewards of capital um, and to do well by, you know, by our pensioners and, you know, by the folks around us. And we'll continue to do so, but um, but our aspirations are much much higher of what we're going to end up doing with those tools. But the focus needs to be on you, 
like you as future leaders, like just picking up that book, reading it, underlining it, taking notes, journaling, you know, um, getting on YouTube, watching Tony Robbins priming, watching that MIT professor of any subject that you're interested in, but start to fill your mind with more and more information and let Providence give you that spark. And when you have the spark, all I got to tell you is be like Nike and just do it yeah. and go relentlessly, mercilessly, just go, 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 go. Yeah, I love it. And um, on that note, you know, we could, I could listen to you all day. I think our listeners could too. And we've gone way over time for our normal show, but I've loved it. It's been fantastic. We've got to have you come back because you've got such range in the things that you can talk about. And I love the fact that, you know, it's a little more esoterical than the normal CEO of a company. And I think people need to hear that because so many people focus on the practical, like you say, the science of achievement and in that grind state all the time, right? Grind and grind instead of allowing and harmonizing with the universe. So you've got a book coming out soon, The Gift of Failure. Um, is there any way that people can pre-order that or have access to that or? Yeah. So in the next 60 days, we'll be allowing pre-orders. Um, our PR firm in conjunction with several other groups are affecting that rollout. Um, I'll be for sure to, to let you know when all that stuff happens. Please post this on uh, your YouTube and I'll be sure to share it because I think there's a lot of here that you said that were uh, tremendously valuable. And um, I appreciate you having me. My podcast will launch sometime this summer. I would be honored if you'd be a guest of mine as well. And let, let's do it again, you know, yeah. and maybe find another topic or find something else. But um, as you mentioned before, in the negative concept of the people that, in, you know, in closing, you know, the, the negativity that we find ourselves surrounded inevitably with that all of us can experience, whether through social media, whether it's an office or walking to the grocery store, we, we feel that energy you know, we call them energy vampires, right? They're just kind of just taking it from you and they don't mean it. They're just, they're just low on voltage and they right. see light and they, and, and they pull it from you and it's not nefarious. They don't mean yeah. to, to do it in so many ways. It's just, it's just being pulled because when you have this energy source, it's natural law for something with a lower energy source to pull from you. So to find anger and frustration in that is an exercise in futility. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, um, yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to those, to those conversations. And on the other side of it is sticking to your tribe, you yeah. know, cling to your companions, surround yourself with the people that are in your truth, that are in your, um, belief system and be vulnerable and be loving and listen and, um, and gain strength and gain momentum. And so that when you go back out into that world, you have resilience, no different than lifting weights, that the more you lift weights, you know, emotional intelligence and emotional strength is no different than physical strength. The natural law is the same. So the more that you practice it, the more that you can invoke it when you walk out into the real world. Yeah, so beautiful. And as you can see and hear, is success is not just a thin path. It's a wide range of tools and strategies and 
mindset practices and the inner work is the most important. So <clears throat> Ari, thank you so much for sharing that perspective. Thank with you for us having me so that. much. Look yeah. forward to it again. All right. Awesome. We'll see you on the next episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. I'm your host, Rock Thomas. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.